Welcome to the Truth Wars Podcast with Dr. Olin Stubbs. Olin has recently published a new book titled Bible Crawling, Finding Joy in God by Journaling Through the Psalms. You can find Olin's book on whipandstock.com. That's W-I-P-F and stock.com, as well as amazon.com. Now, here's Olin. So, I'm, I'm excited to be here with y'all. Um, for basically half my life, ever since I've gotten out of college, I've been in college ministry, and mainly what I do is work with college guys, all right, so, and I've also had two boys go off to college, so, in one sense, I'm going to give y'all a a, a version of maybe what I tried to say to them uh, when they went off to college, so, um, I know several of you, know your families, know a little bit about you, don't know all of you perfectly, but I would say this, uh, going to college will probably be the greatest test or challenge that you've faced thus far in your life. Now, some of y'all may say, wait a second, I thought college was supposed to be fun and exciting. Exactly, it is. I mean, when I look back honestly, college is one of the most enjoyable times I ever had in my whole life, and it'll probably work out that way for most of you guys as well that are going off that. Or even if you're like not going to college, you're going to the military career, just getting out from under mom and dad's roof and taking this big step you're going to have more responsibility and therefore more privileges. It's a lot of fun. It's also dangerous because you get all that weight of responsibility put on your back and all that freedom and how you choose to use it in many ways will set the trajectory for the rest of your life. I have a friend that used to work in college ministry as well. And one of the things he would say is that college for a lot of people, he called them the gun barrel years. And at first he would say that and people would kind of look at him weird like, what in the heck does that mean? But I'm guessing a lot of you guys probably hunted before. You know, if you're taking a 100-yard shot and you move the barrel of the rifle just an inch right here, 100 yards down the range, that's going to make a big difference, right? And the decisions that you make in college that won't seem like they have that big of a consequence in the long run in your life, they're going to have massive consequences. So there's a challenge coming, and you shouldn't be scared, but you should be sober-minded, all right? Now... Again, I don't know all of you. I know a handful of you. I know more of you, the families you're coming out of. And partially, I just know the city of Birmingham and the churches and the communities in Birmingham. I would say this, from all my experience, is I'm, I'm not primarily worried that you guys are going to flunk out of school. You're smart guys, right? You, 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 all of you go to Vestavia, right? Is that right? Okay, good education. You're going to be fine. If you want to make good grades, you're going to survive. I'm not really that concerned about that. Uh, you need to study. All right, I'm not telling you not to study. Don't skip class, all that kind of stuff, but your mom can tell you that, all right? Um, You're a bunch of good-looking guys. I'm not worried about you meeting girls, getting married. That's probably going to happen, all right? That's good. That's important. You ought to get to college and meet girls and go on a lot of dates. What I would say that I'd be very concerned for all of you about is how are you going to do spiritually, all right? How are you going to do in your personal connection with the Lord? And, I, and I don't, you may say, man, it's great right now in high school. That's awesome. It's one thing for it to be great in high school where your mom and dad wake you up every Sunday morning to go to church and they kind of see what you do and what you don't do. And different when you're off in another city, living on your own apartment, and you get to make your own decisions. What are you going to do? So I want to give you five things, but then we're really going to focus on one. If you want to be serious about walking with God in college, five things to do, okay, and easy to remember. Uh, join a good local church in the city you move to. You don't live in Birmingham anymore. You know, if you're going to Auburn, find a church in Auburn, become a member there, plug in. Second thing, get involved in a college ministry. Most colleges are gonna have some kind of college ministry and they have basically, they're they're like a greenhouse for the growth of 
college students. So you might as well make the most of it while you're there for four years, because after you graduate, you won't be able to find something like that. Get in a small group, other peers, accountability, something you know maybe similar to this that you can have at college. Get a mentor, somebody, and this, this may be an older guy on the football team or in your fraternity, or it might be a professor that seems like a godly guy that you can respect, but somebody can be a mentor. But here's the fifth one. This is the one I want to kind of drill down deep on this morning. Whatever you do, try to spend time alone with God every day reading your Bible and praying. All right? Now, um, we're going to look at this one psalm, and maybe you've heard it before. We're actually going to look at two because they're back-to-back, and they probably were one psalm originally. Psalm chapter 42. All right, so just listen to this. We don't know for sure who wrote it, all right, but some kind of Israelite, Old Testament Christian, so to speak, and he's going through some hardship. And listen to what he says. As a deer pants from flowing, for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me continually, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall praise Him, my salvation and my God. Now here's the thing. This guy doesn't talk about really any type of sin in his life. He's not saying, God, I did something really bad, I need forgiveness. But probably what was going on, this may have been David when he was running around being chased by King Saul or somebody that was trying to kill him. Or it may have been written later, somebody that was a POW in another city or state. But basically they're saying, God, I can still talk to you personally. But I, I loved it when I lived in Jerusalem and I could go to the, temp, the tap, uh, temple or the tabernacle, whatever it was, with other believers and we could worship y'all together and I miss that. And that's another thing you guys need to think about is most of you are probably about to move away from home and some of you are probably really excited about that. Like, man, I just can't wait to get away from whatever, high school, this group of friends, my parents. But almost certainly, there's something you're going to miss. Maybe it's your church, maybe it's your friends, maybe it's your family, but you're going to miss something that you had for 18 years. And that's part of what this guy was going through. He missed the fellowship that he used to have with other believers. He's all on his own. And really, what he mainly misses is he misses a sense of God's presence. And, and this might be the most important thing for dads and sons that are here this morning. When it comes to your spiritual life, knowing the right answers, knowing the facts, in and of itself is not enough. You understand what I mean by that? You know, if one of the dads had decided, you know what, we've been doing this Bible study since third grade, and so uh, we're going to give you guys a spiritual test to see how much of this stuff y'all remember, you know, since <laughs> third grade. And you said, man, I'm smart. I've been paying attention. I know all the answers. And you aced the Bible exam that your dad handed out this morning. That's good, right? It's better to know the Bible answers than to not know them. But just because you know the right answers here is not a guarantee that you're really connected to God in your heart, right? The facts will get you a little ways in the short run, but if you really want to grow spiritually, you, you have to feel the facts. You, you have to have an experience of the reality that you say you believe in your mind. And that's a lot of what this guy that wrote this psalm was wrestling with. He's like, I, I know the truth about you, God, but right now, I feel like you're far away. I don't feel like you're real. 
I was talking to a college senior very recently, and this is a guy that grew up in Birmingham. He grew up in a good church, at a good school, and a good family. And here's what he told me. He said, I think I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus Christ and all that. And I believe God's a personal God. I believe a lot of people have a personal relationship with God. But he said, I don't think I have a personal relationship with God. And I was like, why not? He said, I don't feel like I ever experienced God. He said, I believe other people do, but I don't believe I do. Now, again, I've been doing this long enough. Almost always when somebody feels that way, it's because they've got some hidden pet sin in their life that they haven't really dealt with yet, and it keeps them from a feeling of closeness with God. Or it might be because they have some shame in their life or something they've done or was done to them they've never dealt with, and it's like a blockage between them and God. Just imagine this, guys. Imagine, and I don't think this is the case for any of you guys, but imagine if for the past 18 years your dad had said all the right stuff to you. I love you, son. I'm proud of you. I'm committed to you. I'm going to be there at your game to support you, whatever. But then in reality, he never showed up to any of your games. He was always out of town on a business trip. He was always too busy doing something with his buddies. How would you honestly feel towards your dad right now if you had 18 years of experience of your dad saying all the right stuff but never experientially doing the right stuff? Let's, let's have crowd participation moment for just a second. Which again, I don't think this is any of you guys' dads because most of them are standing over there. But if that had been your experience, how do you think you would feel right now towards your dad? Not good. Not good. And I think that's putting it mildly. I think most of us would probably say, I mean, I'll just, I would say, I hate my dad. He's a liar. He's a fraud. And guys, there are going to be times in your spiritual life where you feel like God has forgotten you, where you feel like God is not doing right by you, where you feel like God isn't answering your prayers, and you're going to be tempted. Maybe not to say, I hate God. It's like, that's too bad. Maybe I'll get hit by a lightning bolt if I say that. But to say, I got a lot of doubts about God. Maybe I got some anger at God. Again, I work in a full-time Christian ministry. That means I'm like a paid professional Christian. And I was talking to somebody else the other day that works with me, that's going through something pretty hard. And I said, you know, how are you feeling about all this? And I appreciated her honesty. She said, I'm angry at God. Okay? Listen, it's sin to be angry at God. But if you're angry at God, you might as well be honest about it because you're not hiding it from Him. He knows it. And a lot of times the way that you'll get over the anger is to process it in Him with prayer. And so even as you're praying, as you're talking to your mentor or your friends, don't just try to give the right spiritual answer first. Just be honest about where you're at in your feelings. And that's the way that you can a lot of times get your feelings to grow and mature so that they match the facts that you believe in your head. Does that make sense what I'm saying? So David or whoever wrote this psalm, he started out, and really what was going on, he's panting. He's desperate. He's like, God, I want to know you more. I want to experience you more. I want to know about your love in a personal way and not just kind of in a distant way. Any of y'all like to watch like these survival shows like Bear Grylls or Naked and Afraid or, you know, that kind of stuff or, you know, movies? Maybe not. All right. I like to watch that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, but it's like, okay, what happens if you're in a plane crash and you're out in the middle of nowhere and you got to survive? You don't have to be a genius, okay, to know this. What's the first thing almost always they look for? Water. You can go 40 plus days without food. Best case scenario, you can go about three days without water. 
it's the first thing they're always trying to find a clean source of water or we got to build a fire so we can boil the water what this psalm is saying is that spiritually speaking god's presence god's nearness and experience of his love is like water to the soul you can't go long without it or you will dry up and shrivel and die spiritually you might be physically alive but spiritually you'll be like a zombie be nothing going on and so this guy's panting for God and guys yeah just to be honest with y'all if you're sitting here listening to this saying all that sounds great for somebody that's actually interested but I gotta be honest I'm, I'm sick of having this stuff rammed down my throat for 18 years I'm, I'm not interested in any more spiritual stuff I mean one of the things I'm the most excited about going to college is getting away from all the spiritual crap so I can kind of live my life and do what I want to do yeah appreciate your honesty what I'd say is, if you don't pant for God, a simple prayer you can pray is, God, make me pant for you. Make me long for you. Make me spiritually thirsty if you're not that way. Okay? All right. Keep going here. Um, he starts off, he says, My God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan. Again, so he's, he's far away from Jerusalem and the city and the church and his friends. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. Part of what he's saying is, I feel like I'm drowning. I feel like it's one hit after the other. And again, that's what's going to happen to some of you guys in college. You're going to go, how many of you guys plan to go through Rush? Just curious for fraternities. All right. Well, that's what I figured. Some of you, just, just, just a prediction, you're going to have your favorite fraternity. And it's going to seem like all the guys like you. And they keep inviting you back to the house. You're going to be real excited. And then at some point, they're going to drop you. And it's really going to hurt. And, you, and since, some of you are going to be like, God, I was praying, I was doing anything right. Why'd that happen to me? And then you're going to meet a girl. Or may, let's just do this one. How many of you are dating somebody right now already before you're going to college? Just show hands. Okay, all right. Good luck. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just letting you know. To, to go into college with a girlfriend, if you make it past spring break, Call me. Just tell your dad. Say, hey, call that dude and tell him I made it. Because I'm just telling you, nine times out of ten, it doesn't work out. And so what's going to happen? When you're at college and you're trying to be the good student and you're in the library and you're studying and you get back to your dorm room and one of your buddies says, hey, I was at the bar, uh, you know, and I happened to see your girlfriend. She was at the bar too and seemed like she was drinking a lot and she also seemed like she was flirting a lot with other dudes. It's going to be another hit. Another thing that's going to feel overwhelming, hard. God, why are you doing this to me? And in a sense, I don't think this guy's girlfriend dumped him. All right, That's not what happened. But what he was saying is, I feel like I'm out here in the ocean and I'm about to drown. You ever, you ever go, tried to go swim like when the, the surf is really rough? It's like, oh, that'd be cool to get out there in those 10-foot waves. The next thing you think is, this is stupid. I'm about to drown. That's what he was feeling like spiritually. And there are going to be times in life you're going to feel that way. You're going to feel like you're despairing. This isn't worth it. What do you do? You keep praying. You keep pressing in. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. At night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. Don't worry, I'm not going to go to Job. Probably most of us have heard of Job. He's pretty famous for the guy that maybe suffered more than anybody else in the entire Old Testament. And he got really mad at God. And he told God how angry he was. And at the end of the book, God showed up and rebuked him. But God also blessed him. And here was the reason why. In all of Job's anger, 
in all of Job's confusion, in all of Job's doubt, the one thing Job never did, he never quit talking to God. He always kept praying to God. Even if he was mad and borderline cussing God, at least he kept a line of communication going. This is kind of a side note, all right? This is not supposed to be a family counseling session. But one of the things I've told my boys, i got three of them, and, and got a good relationship with most of them most of the time, but there have been rough patches. And one of the things I've told all my boys is, listen, even if you're mad at me, even if you feel like you hate me, even if you want to, I'm just begging you, keep the lines of communication open. Even if you want to yell at me and cuss me, I'm not going to enjoy that, but I'd rather you yell at me and cuss me than just totally go cold-hearted and shut me down and quit talking. Does that make sense? Because if we're still talking, at least there's hope of a relationship. And I think God's the same way. Listen, I'm not telling you to cuss God. Please don't leave here and say, well, that was an interesting Bible study, Dad. That guy told me I should start cussing God more. That's not what I'm trying to tell you. I am trying to say this. If the choice is between cussing God because I'm so angry at Him or just saying, forget it, I don't care, I don't believe, I'm just going to go my own way, do my own thing, and forget God. That's the worst decision. I'd rather you stay in communication and wrestle out what you're feeling. That's what this guy was doing in the Psalms. Okay, A few more verses here. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? So he's like, I'm suffering, God, and I feel like it's your fault. As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me continually, where is your God? Now listen to verse 11. It's the exact same almost as verse 5. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall praise Him, my salvation and my God. And here's maybe two more things to say and we'll be done. When you're going through hard times, when you're dealing with doubt, when you're feeling forgotten by God or rejected by God, talk to God about it, pray and meditate. But part of who you also need to talk to about it is talk to yourself. There was a great preacher, lived about 100 years ago in London, and one of the most famous things he said was really helpful is, most people's problem in life is they spend too much time listening to themselves and not enough time talking to themselves. You understand what I mean by that? I mean, if we went around here and said, hey, we're gonna have a testimony time, and I want everybody just to share the worst kind of self-talk you've ever heard, we all do that at times to ourselves, right? Maybe it's when you study for a big test and you get in there and you go blank and you're just like, you freaking moron, you're an idiot, what's wrong with you? Maybe it's in the big game, you miss a shot and you're like, man, you're a loser, what's wrong? We can be really hard on ourselves, can't we? And we can do the same thing spiritually. This is pointless, I've been praying, I've been going to church, it never works out. And part of what spiritual maturity, in the sense is you turn and you remind yourself of truth. That's what that psalmist was doing. Hey. Soul, spiritual man, inner man. Why are you so down? Why are you so dejected? Why are you so worried? This is not going to be the end. God is going to provide for you. God is good. One day you're going to be right with God again. He's reminding himself of the truth. And that's one of the most important things, guys, I can tell you. You know, I grew up, you know, the movies I like to watch the most were, were when I was a kid, John Wayne and Clint Eastwood. You may never even heard of those guys, right? They were these cowboys and they kind of, perpetuated the tough, strong, American, strong, silent type. You know, maybe for you guys it's uh, Rocky and Jason Stamos. I don't even know. But you understand the type I'm talking about, right? The strong, silent type. He's a tough guy. 
He doesn't have any emotions except anger, right? He doesn't do anything except kill bad people. Other than that, he's just stoic. And I'm just telling you guys, a lot of us can say that's the kind of guy I want to be. The strong, silent type is a lie. And here's the reason I know that it's a lie. The strongest man who ever lived, he was silent at times, in the right time, the right way. But there were also times he was very vocal. And mainly, and this is what I'm trying to get to you guys, he was vocal in the place of prayer. When the Lord Jesus Christ walked the earth, and remember, he never sinned, not once. He faced exactly the same kind of temptations that you and I face, and he never gave in, not for one second. Now, if you think, if there was ever a guy that had the right to always experience God's presence, always experience God being close to him, always experience God's love, it was Jesus. But you don't have to be a Bible scholar to get this one right. Did Jesus, when he walked around on earth, did he always experience God's love and presence and smile in his life? He didn't. And it started in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he's arrested, and he's trying to get his three best friends just to stay awake and pray with him because he's suffering so much. He literally said, my soul is sorrowful to the point of death. I mean, it's literally like, I mean, if it was modern day language, it would be like he was saying, I am depressed. I, I am cast down. And he didn't try to act strong. He didn't try to act tough. He was honest about it, about his weakness, about his vulnerability. They fell asleep. They weren't good friends. You're going to have friends bail out on you. But he prayed and he wrestled with God. Why are you doing this to me? I don't like it. If there's any other way, get me out. Yet not my will but thine. And then, guys, most importantly, when he hung on the cross, he wasn't silent. He wasn't some tough guy saying, look at me, how strong I am, how, how well I can take this. He's screaming, literally, to God in prayer, why are you doing this to me? Why are you forsaking me? Why are you abandoning me? Why have you forgotten me? Why are you literally rejecting me? Intellectually, he's God. He knows the right answer. But experientially, in that moment, he didn't feel God's presence. And he wasn't okay with it. It was killing him. Because what was going on on the cross, God was rejecting Christ. Not for any sins that Christ had, because Christ didn't have any. God was rejecting Christ for all the sins of all the people, all the college guys, real specifically, that would ever trust in him. And here's what I'm trying to tell you guys. You're not going to be perfect over the next four years. Some of you, I hope you don't, but just being realistic, some of you are going to commit bigger and worse sins in the next four years than you could have ever imagined in the last 18. Don't do it. The consequences aren't worth it. But even what when you do, what I want you to know is there's a Savior. And if you come back to Him and you're honest and you're humble and you beg mercy and forgiveness and you also beg God, I want to experience your presence, He's the kind of God that in the long run, if you persevere in those kind of prayers and wrestlings, He will answer. He will come near. So let me pray for us. I'll turn it back over. Father God, we love you. Uh, we are so unworthy of your love. And God, I pray for all of us here, the, the dads and the sons, would you make us into godly men? Uh, would you make us into men that live in good fellowship and community with other Christians to help us stay strong? But mainly, I pray that you would make us into men of prayer and meditation and, and wrestling with you and honesty about our feelings, about our emotions,
that when we are weak, when we are struggling, when we feel rejected, we won't run away from you. We will run to you. And God, would you be merciful? Would you be kind? Would you pursue us? And God, more and more, would you let us experience more of the truth of who you are and not just know about it intellectually? I pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of Truth Wars with Dr. Olin Stubbs. We want to remind you to please leave a review for this podcast wherever you listen and to share this podcast with any friends or family that you think may be blessed by Olin's teaching.